I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. In the event that you haven't been here or you in recent weeks or you're a visitor, uh, we've been studying about the end of time and about how God is going to send his son back, not only to rapture the church out of the world, which we've already studied, and arise, raise dead Christians from the grave, but when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom on the earth so that all will know that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords last sunday we finished up um, looking at the tribulation and today we're going to begin in revelations chapter 19 and before i read these verses of scripture please join with me in prayer let us pray together heavenly father we thank you that we can gather in your house and study your word god we thank you that Lord, your Son is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May we never forget that. And God, may we give all the glory to Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for us, not only in the past and today, what you're doing for us, but thank you, Father, for what your Son has prepared for us throughout eternity. God, may we hear your word, and may the Spirit of God Speak to our hearts and minds that we will receive it and understand it and live it and share it with others. And Father, again, may all the glory be given to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to these first ten verses in Revelations chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. After this, and we'll explain what after this means. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying, Hallelujah. Let me point something out. The King James translates it, Alleluia. And the Revised Standard of the New International Version and the Living Bible translates it, Hallelujah. So I want you to know that these two words mean the same. And we're going to tell you what that means in just a minute. Please notice that in these ten verses, the word hallelujah is going to be mentioned four times. And here's something that I didn't know. The only four times this word is used in the New Testament is in the words that we're reading right now. This is a very important passage of Scripture for what it means to us as the children of God. There's a great multitude in heaven crying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. He has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication, and he has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried, Hallelujah! The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who is seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a loud, came a voice crying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunder peals crying, Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us, listen to verse 7, let us rejoice, exalt, and give him the glory. 
For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted to her to be clothed with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those, now listen to this, blessed are those that are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Perhaps you realize this, but I didn't. And I went back in my notes. We've been studying about the end of time since the first Sunday in February of this year. We've learned from different sources about how the world will end and Christ will come. And listen to these sources that I want to mention, okay? Number one, from the very promises of Christ, from his own words, from his own lips, we have heard about how he promised to come back. We've heard from the word of God, from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Folks, have you not realized as we have talked about the end of time and the coming again of Jesus, how the Holy Spirit is born witness to our spirit that Jesus is coming back. Folks, I want to tell you something. As a Christian, I think the, the idea of the return of Jesus should make us filled with joy. Amen. He's coming back. Folks, this ain't a fairy tale that I'm telling you about. This is not a myth. This is not something we just hope would happen. This is what Jesus himself promised would happen. The word of God proclaims will happen. The spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that it's going to happen. Folks, this world is not all there is. God reigns and he will triumph over evil. And he has a place prepared for his children. And folks, we ought to get excited about it, but we need to tell it. Do you know that? We need to tell the message that Jesus is coming back again. And if people look look at us like we're strange or crazy, that's their problems, not ours, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Franklin. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> There's another source. The inspiration that God has given men, and I and, and I've told y'all, I don't I don't want to make this a secret. I'm not I'm not that smart to be able to stand here and tell you about what the Word of God is saying. I, I use commentaries and books written by other people, men and women, that that God has given special wisdom to. And I want you to know that these Bible scholars help me to interpret the words of our Lord and the words of Scripture. But there's something else that I want you to understand. And, and I want you to especially see this in the light of the words that we just read. God has given wisdom to people that have followed him, writers of Holy Scripture like the Apostle John and, and, and the Apostle Paul, that he's given them revelation about the revelation. And, and listen, folks, as the book of Revelation begins, listen to what the Lord instructs the Apostle John. This is chapter 1, verse 19. It's not on the overhead. Jesus says to the Apostle John, now write what you see, what is and what is to take place hereafter. You know, John couldn't come up with any story like this. It had to be the Spirit of God that was leading him to understand. 
It was the Spirit of God that rolled back the curtains of heaven to let him look in and to see the things that he is writing to us about. And folks, not only in the past months, but in the coming weeks and months, we're going to rely upon these sources of information for us. But especially, I want us to rely upon the, the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God and the, and the spokesman of God and let the Holy Spirit of God continue to speak to our hearts. Because in the coming weeks, we will see how God wraps up human history and ushers in His new heaven and new earth. And that's what Revelations 21 and 22 is about. But I want to point out, and this is from Warren Wiersbe, the Apostle John in Revelations 19 and 20, these two chapters, records five key events that will take place before God wraps up human history. And just let me, just let me read these. And again, I, I just, I encourage you to bring the Word of God with you. Please. Please, I don't think I talk above anybody's head. I, I, I can't. I'm not that smart. But, but I want you to see for, with your own eyes, this is what the Word of God says. But here's these two chapters, okay? First of all, the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 19, verses 1 through 10. The second key event is found in Revelations 19, verse 11 through chapter 20, verse 3. Jesus Christ will return to earth as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. A third event that's going to happen, Christ will reign a thousand years on earth according to Revelations 20, verses 4 through 6. We call this millennial reign of Christ. And folks, I'll be honest with you, throughout my Christian life, I've had a struggle in understanding all this. And I'm praying that God will share with me so that I can share with you. But this is the word of God. This is what is promised. In Revelations chapter 20, verses 7 through 10, Satan's final revolt against God. And in Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment, where only the lost who have been unrepentant. If you have read Revelations 6 through 18, you have seen that even as all the judgments come in the tribulation period, people will still refuse to repent and turn to God. And folks, the day of the Spirit of God dealing with men is over at the great white throne of judgment. And men who have chosen to rebel and reject the gospel of Jesus Christ will stand before the Almighty God. But folks... Let me begin today by looking at the marriage supper of the Lamb. In verse 1 of Revelations 19, John says, after this, after this. And what does he mean by that? Again, in Revelation 6, chapters 6 through 18, those chapters have dealt primarily with the events of the great tribulation, all the judgment that falls upon the world and all that have rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. But beginning with chapter 19, there's a noticeable change. The great tribulation is coming to its end and the spotlight is taken off the earth and focuses on heaven and the second coming of Christ. You remember as I've taught this, one of the things about the book of Revelation, you've got to be real careful that some points are looking at what's happening on the earth, some points look at what's happening in heaven. 
And folks, I want to tell you, chapter 19 begins by looking at what's happening in heaven. And folks, all the saints that have already been raptured and taken to heaven, and all the heavenly hosts, the angels, it is a time of rejoicing and a time of victory. Chapter 19 deals with the end of the tribulation in Christ's glorious second coming to the earth to destroy the ungodly and reign with his people. In Revelation 18, the great city of Babylon, and and let me look, get you to look at, um, back at chapter 18, if you've got your Bible open. What city was like the great city? You see, the city Babylon represented Satan's world system. Let me just mention some things about this world system that you've already found out. Satan's world system has an apostate religion. You remember that the the Antichrist will go into the temple and take down all the images that cause people to worship God and will himself set in the place to be worshipped. The city Babylon represented also the economic and political world system that leads the world astray and away from God. And also, the city of Babylon represented a world system that was guilty of persecuting God's people and killing many of them. And folks, that's going on even today, as you know. Let me just just give you a couple of things about uh, the city of Babylon or, or the origin of the name Babylon. And again, Babylon, as you and I know, in the Old Testament was a real city. In, in, in Revelation, it is a world system. But the word Babylon comes from the word Babel or Babel coming from Genesis 11.4. You remember when when man had become so wickedness wicked that they were going to build a city and reach up to where God was at. And you remember God not only destroyed the tower that they were building, but they no longer had the same language, and there was a world of confusion. But the Tower of Babel symbolized false religion and sorcery and astrology and rebellion against God. And Babylon, in the book of Revelation, represents that same world system. But listen to Revelation 18.10. Because you see, Babylon fell under the judgment of God. And he is speaking here, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, thou great city, thou mighty city Babylon, in one hour has thy judgment come. And again, the, the emphasis is on that God has judged the world that would not repent and turn to him. And so in chapter 18, verse 20, and this will be, I believe, on the overhead, listen to this. And that's in the international, New International Version. I'm going to read it out of the revised, and you read it out of the version that you have in your hand. Rejoice over her, O heaven, O saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Now listen to what this verse says. And, 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 for, and I, I myself have said, well, I can't understand the book of Revelation. Well, let's tie verse 20 together with chapter 19. 
Because this satanic world system has been overthrown by God Almighty, God instructs all of heaven. Listen to this. Chapter 18, verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, O saints, apostles, and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. God commanded them to rejoice And beginning with verse 1 of Revelations 19, in obedience to God's command, all the godly in heaven and earth rejoice at God's righteous judgment over the satanic world system. Now just think about this for just a second. Presently, as Christians, you and I are grieving because evil seems to triumph in this world. And if, and if you and I aren't grieving over the world system today, we, we, we need to, we need to search our hearts, folks. It grieves me to see what is happening in our world today. But folks, one day there's going to be a great day of celebration in heaven when God destroys all evil and triumphs over evil. As I prepared this message, and I know that I've mentioned this song before, there seems to be so much ridicule of God and of Christ and of Christianity. And I know that, that has gone on since God created the world. But folks, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. And, and I especially feel for young people because if young people are making a stand and trying to live for Jesus, somebody's going to try and knock, and knock them down and make fun of them. When I was in my 20s, Billy Joel came out with a song entitled, Only the Good Die Young. And one of the verses said this, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. And think about that for just a second. And aren't we so tempted in the world today to rush into doing things that is out of God's will and then make fun of Christianity and those that are trying to live lives that are honoring Christ. But folks, that day is over in Revelations 19. The people of God in heaven are not crying or depressed or joyless. They are having a throwdown, if you don't mind me calling it that. Listen to the Apostle John. In verse 1, he says, I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of of a great multitude in heaven. Would you go back, um, Mackenzie, to chapter 19, verse 1 at the beginning? I just want to go through these verses in the time that we've got left. Listen to this. I heard what seemed to be a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Let me ask you something. Have you ever stood outside of a stadium or an arena or a ballpark Maybe you hadn't gotten in yet. Maybe you had left early because you had to leave. And when you got outside the ballpark, something great happened. If something great happened, what does a home team do? They make a lot of noise, don't they? They're praising their team. They're rejoicing in the score. And folks, let me point something out. John says, after this, After the world system of Satan has been destroyed by God, I heard what seemed to be a a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. And the King James, I think, says, saying, the Revised Standard that's on the screen, they were crying, and I'm not talking about they were crying tears because they are sad. The Amplified Bible says they were exclaiming 
in the Living Bible and the New International Version says they were shouting. They were shouting praise to God. Because all of Satan's forces were getting ready to be destroyed. John knew as he heard from heaven that a great celebration had broken out. And it was like nothing he had ever heard on the earth. And please, Carolina fans and Duke fans, don't get disturbed with me. But I want to tell you something. There's not been a celebration on Franklin Street or in Cameron Indoor uh, Stadium that will ever come close to matching this celebration in heaven. <laughs> this passage of Scripture lights you up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what are these, what are these people in heaven, what are the heavenly hosts shouting? And remember again, we've already studied this. The Christians have been raptured out of the world. The dead in Christ have been raised from the grave. They've already been before the judgment seat of Christ. And every difference between them and Christ and them and other believers has all been done away with. And everybody is in complete harmony and fellowship with one another. And everyone knows who God Almighty is and that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of the world. And that now he's getting ready to go back to earth and destroy every ounce of Satan's work. Because the great city Babylon or the great world system has been destroyed. So what are they saying? Hallelujah. Listen to this. Hallelujah. The word hallelujah is the Greek word for the Hebrew word hallelujah. What does that mean? They both mean the same thing. It's a compound word that means praise the Lord. How many of us have been reluctant to say praise the Lord? (laughs) Because we were scared we're going to offend somebody and drive them away from the Lord. I must admit I have. I wish Jeanette were here today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, comes from a compound word. Alel means praise and Yah means Yahweh or Lord. And folks, the only four times in the New Testament that these words are used is in this passage of Scripture. As this crowd in heaven is saying, hallelujah. Listen to this. The people in heaven praise the Lord because God has judged the world. He has avenged those who suffered at its hands. And because Jesus is returning to earth to reign. I know y'all get tired of hearing me say this, but give me just a couple more minutes and I'll finish, okay? What's so important about what's going on here in heaven? Well, let me give you my take on it, okay? Not that, again, I'm that smart. But today, evil seems not only to flourish, but evil seems to have no stopping point. Evil doers seem not to be held accountable. But God in his holiness and righteous judgment will judge all sin not covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. And the guilty will not get off scot-free, but will stand accountable to God. 
Folks, I understand this picture. Those folks in heaven that are throwing down, they're not in heaven because they've been such good folks. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But they are truly realizing the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in those moments. They're worthy to be in heaven shouting hallelujah, not because they've been such good Baptists, but because they've trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Those people on earth that are going to now face the judgment of God, it is not because God didn't love them. It's not because Jesus didn't love them. It's because they said no to him. They rejected him. With that in mind, let me again read you these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What's the difference in the crowd in heaven and the crowd on earth? I would say the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the difference. Have you received Christ as Savior today? If you have, you'll be in that crowd one day saying hallelujah. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to coerce you or make you fearful. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. But if you haven't, there's not going to be anything to praise God about. Because you pushed him aside, pushed him away from yourself, and he could not do in your heart and life what he wanted to do. Would you turn to Jesus if you have it? And would you trust him as your Savior? And would we as Christians, would we say, hallelujah, praise the Lord? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, give us understanding what's going on in Revelation 19. Your son won the victory not in Revelations 19, but he won the victory at the cross of Calvary. And that victory is pictured in Revelations 19 as he comes back as a king of kings and lord of lords. Father, help us as Christians to see we have so much to praise God for. Most especially your son Jesus. And Heavenly Father, help us not to wait until we get to heaven to say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But help us, Father, not only with words and with our lips, but help us with our lives and with our actions to praise you. And Father, especially want to lift up you people that perhaps have not trusted you as their Savior yet. God, none of us can save ourselves and we can't save each other. But we can point those without Christ, to him. And so I pray in these moments that if there's someone here that has not yet made that decision to trust Christ, that they've been pointed to him. And may they know 
that if they come to him in faith, that they repent of sin and come in faith, that he will make them a new creation and give them eternal life. God, help in these, these moments of invitation that your will would be done. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 465, Only Trust Him. We ask you to do that. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you do that? If he is leading you, you don't have to come and walk this aisle, but if he leads you to do that, to let others know that you are now a believer and that you want them to pray for you, would you come? Let us stand. Thank you for the message that we've heard today, and we just ask that you touch our hearts and let us go out and say praise the Lord. So just be with us in our daily lives, and as we walk, let others see our love for you through our actions and our deeds. And we just ask that you be with now for the rest of the services that you touch the hearts of the people. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.